Mercy Road. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Yeah. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody excited about later today? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Who are my Kansas fans in here? Yeah? Okay. All right. Yeah, that was pretty weak. Anyways, well, I'm excited to be here. Uh, really excited to jump into what we'll be talking about today. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you yet, I look forward to doing that. And I know some are watching online. So can we just welcome them right now as well as they join us online? Yeah. And we're going to be looking at a new series this morning and looking at Ephesians 2. So go ahead, power up your devices, open up your Bible, whichever way, and turn to Ephesians 2. Go ahead and take a second and find that. And I'm excited about this new series that we're starting today. And it'll be just a few weeks long, but I think it has the potential to really have such a huge impact on our lives, which I'm excited about. Well, uh, many years ago when we were engaged, me and my wife, Shana, we dated for like four years in college and we were like engaged for like a year. And then we got married. And during that engagement period for a year, it turned into like a year long's worth of like wedding planning. So we'd like just be hanging out. Every conversation would just end up with wedding plans. And I'm like tired of it at this point, right? I'm just being honest here. Um, so I got a call a few months before our wedding asking if I would be willing to come back here to Indiana and then lead this trip with this church that I, I was uh, on staff with. And somebody had transitioned off of staff there. And they said, we've got this trip that was planned. Uh, students already signed up. Everything is set up. But the pastor just transitioned off of his role. So our students know you. Do you want to come back and lead this trip? We know it's a couple weeks before your wedding, but we really feel like you would be the right guy for it. And of course, I said yes. Signed up to go do that. And it was a really cool trip. What we did was you boarded this uh, sleeper bus, a double-decker bus that had like seats and tables during the day. At nighttime, you could convert them to beds and then sleep on the bus. And then we went out west and we got to look at a bunch of different just sites out west. And it was an amazing trip that lasted for about a week to 10 days. And what I have to share with you guys is that normally when I'm home, I am like a two or three shower a day kind of guy. So just imagine me on a bus with a bunch of students you're out hiking, running around. It's the summertime. It's hot. You're getting sweaty. I reached my breaking point. I think it was like day three. I reached my breaking point. I'm like, I have got to figure out a way to get clean, right? Because we're sleeping on the bus. There's no showers on there. And so one of the stops that we had, which this was a horrible idea, by the way, I went to the bathroom, and the only thing I could find in the bathroom was some hand sanitizer. So I decided it'd be a good idea to go ahead and rub that all over my body. Let me just tell you that I put some hand sanitizer places where you should not put hand sanitizer. If you know what I'm talking about. And I'm just screaming in pain in this bathroom like, ah, my skin is on fire. Uh, but what was so cool about that trip was that we got to look at all these different sites and Grand Teton and all these places. And I just remember being um, at the Grand Canyon and just standing there and just taking it all in and just being in awe. Like, man, our God created that. And he's an amazing God who is so creative. And what I love about it, too, is that Scripture tells us that God literally created all of it out of nothing. Like, there wasn't a blueprint or somebody to tell him what to do. Literally, out of his creativity, he made everything that we see around us in nature, which is pretty amazing if you think about that. How brilliant and creative and awesome our God is. And then Scripture also tells us this, that he created you and I in his image which I think is also really powerful as well. And take a look at Genesis 1, what it says. It said, then God said, let us, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, all over the earth, and over every creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We're in this new series that is called Made to Create. And what we're talking about is that our God is a creator and he made us in his image, which means that that same calling is wired into us to be creators as well as our God is a creator and he created us in his image. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And in fact, it's pretty clear from the start that God actually invites us in this process of creating with him. If you'll take a look at what happens in Genesis 2, verse 19 and 20, it says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he should call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. Think about how powerful it is that God creates the entire universe and he certainly doesn't need Adam's help, but he chooses to invite him into this creative process and says, I've made these animals and now it's your turn. You go ahead and you name them whatever you want to call them. So from the beginning, he's making it pretty clear that as I've created you in my image, different from any other being that I created, you were made in my image to be a creator and to be creative. And I want to invite you into that process. So Adam actually gets to name all these animals. And then we see in Genesis 3, of course, that sin happens. And that brings destruction into the picture now. So when sin happens, it destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our relationship with one another. It also destroys our relationship with nature. And it even destroys the relationship within ourselves as well. That there's this whole identity crisis that happens. And now we've lost the sense of meaning and what God had intended for us to be creators who are made in his image. All of that is lost. And so God will now switch from creation to restoration or recreation in some sorts. And he initiates that through the person of Jesus. And in the creative way that he created our world, God is going to redeem us and save us in an amazing way, brilliant way through Jesus. And what's happening now for each and every one of us is that he's now calling us to be a part of that same process of recreation in the, recreation in the person of Jesus. That when you and I, when we step across the line of faith and we surrender our lives to Christ, we've now been invited. We've been made new in Christ to make a difference. If you're taking notes this morning, the one main idea that we want to talk about is this, that we've been made new in Christ to make a difference. And our theme for the year is the heart of God. We've been looking at who our God is, what is his heart like, and then discerning what it looks like for you and I to actually live that out in the midst of this crazy world that we live in. What is God's heart actually for us and for the world? And if you read the scriptures at all, you'll understand right away that God is a God who's a creator. And he made us to create and he is inviting us into this powerful, beautiful process of recreating everything that is around us. And because he created us in his image to be creative, to be creative, it means that our life has meaning. And it means that you don't have to settle for just going through the motions in life. Like your life can actually have significance and meaning and you can actually do something with your life. And you can have a purpose and a plan because you've been made new in Christ's image to be a creator. Pray with me. Father, we just invite you into this space. God, as we lean into this series made to create and what that means for every single one of us. First, that we are made in your image, how you created us in creation. But God, that also in Jesus, you've now made us new. You've redeemed us. And God, you have a plan and a purpose for our lives and that you intend for us to live that out, to be creators. I pray that you would use the next few weeks to speak to every single person 
who's listening to this right now, for them to discern what that looks like in their lives. And Father, would you give us the boldness, the trust, the courage to be able to step into whatever it is that you're calling us to step into in this season. So we just invite you to speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So God creates this garden. He places us in it to be a part of this creative process. We mess it up with sin that enters the picture. And through our disobedience, the destruction that happens with sin is responsible for what we see today. So who we're meant to be is just distorted and twisted and marred by sin, right? And Paul writes this, and I love what he's talking about, where, where we were meant to reflect God's glory and goodness and creativity and to create, to bring life, that we started actually bringing destruction. And look at what our lives for many of us looks like before Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the power of the prince of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So he's saying what you, when you look at our world around us, all the brokenness and all the pain and everything you see, the destruction that you see, mankind harming one another, mankind harming nature, harming everything around us, he's saying it's the result of sin that you see happen in Genesis 3 that has completely shifted our role, responsibility that we had to be creators. To reflect God's glory and now what we find ourselves for many of us before Jesus doing is just living and following whatever passions or desires that we have in our lives basically it's the way that the world lives which the the, the mindset behind that is just pretty simple is this whatever feels good whatever you feel like doing you just go ahead and do it well how's that working out for us exactly as you look at the world around us people harming one another taking advantage advantage of one another and all these things that we see are all because people have settled into I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing and I don't care who it hurts if it feels good for me I'm going to do it and that's how some of us were as well before we encountered Jesus but take a look at this is where it gets really good right here because for those of us where Jesus stepped into your story you know that that was the before and then there's an after as well look at what Paul says he says but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes this morning, go ahead and write down the word grace. We're going to take a lot of time and talk about grace this morning because I think it's so important for us to understand the why behind why we create, why we live the life that God has for us to live. So go ahead and write down the word grace. So I was uh, in college and one summer I was back home and I got a call from one of my uh, former coaches, my former basketball coach. And he said, hey, I've got a couple of tickets to go see the White Sox. So uh, do you want to come with and invited one of my other teammates to come with as well? He didn't tell me anything about these tickets and I'm a college student. So I'm just bored in the summertime. I'm like, great, I'll do that. So he picks us up, drive into Chicago, into the city, and we get there. And as you guys know, like parking is always a nightmare in Chicago. Anybody been to Chicago? Yeah. Parking is just a nightmare down there. Well, we show up with these tickets that we had, and they end up like letting us pull in right into this parking lot that is literally like right like under the stadium. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. 
we get out of the car and then we show them the tickets and then they end up ushering us down like this hallway and we're walking through the, through the building and through the stadium and then we walk into this huge room that has this massive display of all kinds of foods and drinks and anything you want, it's all included. And I'm thinking, man, this is pretty good. Well, it gets even better. Grab some food, grab some drinks, and then we start walking out to the stadium. And so they point us over to the seats and we end up walking all the way down to literally behind where the batter was. We were sitting like just a few feet behind the batter. And I'm just thinking, whoa, this is amazing, right? So here I am sitting in my seat behind the batter. My dad's at home texting me like, hey, I can see you at the game. What are you eating there? Is that a hot dog? Like, what is that? I mean, these amazing seats that I could have never afforded. Let's be honest. I was a broke college student. I could have never afforded to pay for these tickets on my own. But somebody else paid the price for me to have these tickets, to be able to go to this game, and to be able to enjoy it. That's what grace is. Right? You look at your life and you realize that what you and I have done through our sin, what we deserve was punishment and death and alienation from Christ. And what Paul is saying that God, through the love that he has for us, actually pursues us. He steps in and he gives us a gift that you and I could never earn on our own and that we could never deserve. That is what grace is. And grace is pretty remarkable in our lives when we really begin to understand that, what God has done for us. That the only way that you and I could ever have a chance at a relationship with God was for God himself to step in and to do something about it. Because Romans 3.23 tells us that every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's no way even the best of us could never measure up to that standard of being holy as God is holy. So God himself had to step in to do something about it, to make a way for us to experience a relationship with him. And he's redeemed us in Christ. And in the same way that somebody else paid for those tickets that I did nothing to earn, Jesus paid the price for you and I to earn a relationship with God and be restored to our heavenly father. That's what grace is. And when you begin to re realize what grace has done for us, man, there's something so powerful that happens. And I grew up in the church my whole life and didn't really understand this concept of grace until I was 16 years old, that somebody really challenged me to get in the scriptures. And actually, this passage that we're looking at today, Ephesians 2, is one of the ones that radically changed my relationship with God because I just began to look on my life and realize all these different times that even when I wasn't pursuing God, he was always pursuing me and calling me into something greater that I would have never imagined for my life. And some of us, we've been in church for a really long time, but we've never experienced, truly experienced God's grace before. And what I mean by that is that we're still going through life right now, and somehow we're trying to work for God's approval when he's already approved of us. Can I just encourage you and just challenge you with this truth this morning that we don't work for God's approval, we work from God's approval of us. We do not work for God's approval, we work from God's approval of us. And it's so, this is a concept that we really have to understand as we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, being made in God's image to create and to partner with God, to be a part of what he's doing in the world, that we never do these things. We never work for God to try to earn his approval, but because he's approved of us, because he's called you a son and a daughter, now he calls you to go and live like it so that other people would experience that as well. So we don't work for God's approval. We work from his approval of us. And you don't have to earn God's favor when he's already given it to you freely in Jesus by faith. That's what Paul is talking about. But that also overflows then in our lives in action, right? Like grace doesn't mean that we simply get to sit on our hands and to do nothing. That's not what grace means. And I love what Dallas Willard, theologian, writes about this. He says this, 
He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. You've never seen people more active than those who have been set on fire by the grace of God. He's saying that from the outside, it can look the same. That you can see two people who are just working for God and doing things for God. But on the inside, the attitude is completely different. Because one is working for God from a place of approval. While the other one is trying to work for God's approval. And it's so important for us to understand what God has already done for us in the person of Jesus. And in fact, it's so powerful what uh, Paul talks about as well. And just talking about what we're, we're made to do. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So grace isn't an excuse for us to become lazy or passive Christians. And I'm just going to get personal and real here. But for some of us, we've been, we've been attending church for so long. And that's all we do. Like, do you realize that God didn't save you for you to attend church? We recognize that, right? Like, God didn't save us and call us to just attend church. He actually is inviting us into this process of recreation and restoring the world around us. And he's empowered every single one of us to be able to do that. And some of us, what we've resorted to is just simply coming here on Sunday morning and filling a seat and that's it. And we're missing out on so much more that God wants to do for us. His grace is never an excuse for us to become lazy or passive Christians because God has called us. He's made us new in Christ to make a difference. And Paul says that we are, in fact, in, in Christ, we're made new and we're now given a new purpose. And he says that we are his workmanship. So if you're taking notes, write down the word workmanship. We are his workmanship. Write that down, workmanship. So a few years back, um, we were married and we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. And we're trying to decide what do you do to celebrate that. And like usually uh, birthdays and holidays, special events, all of that is always like my wife is all about that in our home. So she plans these things out. And I was left to plan the one-year anniversary. So it was kind of a last-minute thing. And we're just newly married in ministry, not a lot of money to afford anything. But I went online and I discovered that Coldplay was actually playing in Chicago. And it's one of the bands that we both like. And so I got a little bit resourceful. So I went on Craigslist, which you should never do, by the way. It's a little bit sketchy on there. And I looked up Coldplay tickets. And I found two tickets that somebody was selling in Chicago. And I don't know if you've been to the city of Chicago lately, but it definitely can get sketchy in some places, right? So we end up Saturday morning getting in the car, driving down to Chicago to pick up these tickets from a random guy that I don't even know. So we show up to this random neighborhood and... I hop out of the car. I'm standing looking around like, am I going to get robbed? Or like, what's, what's happening here? So this guy, I text him. He comes out of the apartment, hands me two tickets, and then takes money from me. And then he leaves and I get in the car and I'm like, well, Jesus, this is in your hands now. I don't know if these tickets are real. Are they legit or not? Were they stolen? I don't know anything. So the day of the concert comes and we end up taking these tickets, driving to the city to Soldier Field. We get there, they scan the tickets. To my amazement, they are actually real. So we end up being ushered out onto the field into this concert with Coldplay, 70,000 people there. On the way in, they're handing us bracelets like, hey, make sure you grab one. And it ended up being, to this day, the best concert that I've ever been to. Because Coldplay, man, let me tell you, they put on an amazing show. Everything was thought through. You had these bracelets that lit up and was synchronized to everything. And they're singing the song yellow and your bracelet turns yellow. And we're on this field with 70,000 people just jumping and going crazy. And I'm just smiling ear to ear. And I'm like, 
This is amazing, Shayna. I don't know why I'm so happy, but I just can't stop smiling. And it was such an, it was such an amazing time that we had. And I just think through that, that Coldplay as an artist thought through everything, every transition, every note. They had multiple stages that were moving around and they're on the big stage doing the big thing and then they'd go to the small stage, strip it down, do the more intimate acoustic thing and they thought through every single one of that and Paul is saying this, that in Christ, when you are God's workmanship, God the perfect artist, not a human artist like Coldplay, God the perfect artist has thought through every single part of your life and he's made you into a workmanship to be useful for him. Think about that for a second. See, the original word in the Greek workmanship is the word poema, which means poem or work of art or masterpiece. And Paul is saying, when you place your faith in Jesus, that's what God has done. He's made you new in Christ, intentionally thinking through every single brushstroke, every single word, every single note. He's intentionally created you in Christ to be used by him for the good works that he already prepared for you. How powerful is that for our lives? It means that your life has a purpose. And that's the whole reason why when you place your faith in Jesus and you step across the line of faith, God doesn't just like beam you up to heaven like he could have done that, right? But he keeps you here because he's made you into his workmanship and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. You've been made new to make a difference in this world. That's what we're talking about in this series. When we talk about being made in his image to make a difference. And that means that every single part of your life, God wants to use that to further his work and his kingdom. And that means that God even wants to use some of the hardships or the hard things that you've gone through in your life. And I look back on my own life and, you know, I grew up in a pastor's family. We were on the mission field. And so we got to move every single three to four to five years we packed up the entire family, moved to a new country, sometimes didn't even speak the language where we were going. And I just always envied the people like my wife who grew up like in the same uh, hometown and like has this like hometown pride and like all these people that she's known since she was born in the same house that her dad was born and raised in. And for me, that was just not my experience growing up. We just moved around so much that I was oftentimes actually the kid that was the new kid with no friends and trying to just figure out my way just to fit in, just to get to make some friends. And I look back on some of those experiences, how painful those were for me growing up. And then I f uh, fast forward now to my life in ministry now and just this desire and conviction God has given me to always be looking for the people that might feel left out or on the outside and go pursue them and get to connect with them. Or how he's allowed me to be able to be somebody who's not afraid to go out and make new friends and connect with people. Do you know that that came out of the painful childhood that I had moving around so much? Now, I was just talking to somebody from our church this week. We're having lunch together. And he was telling me about this painful relationship that he had and the breakup that came out of that. Some of the hurt he went through. And how he went on this journey of healing. Like, how do I heal this trauma in my life? And discover through that process that there's so many other people going through trauma as well. And God is now using him to get training to be able to help other people in their healing process as well. And what does that look like for you in your life? What is maybe something painful, something hard that you've lived through that God is just saying, hey, I've made you new in Christ. And that thing in your life doesn't just, the story doesn't have to just end there. Like there's so much more I want to use to bring about good out of that that would point people to Jesus so that they would discover life and meaning and create something new in the midst of even that pain that you might have lived through. But that happens when we lean in, when we, when we surrender all those things to, to God and he wants to make us his workmanship and use us to do, if you're taking notes, good works. 
Because ultimately, all of this leads us to that place of doing good works. So go ahead and write down the words, good works. What we're talking about here, Paul is sharing, is this twofold mission that every single believer has been given. And it's to help those that are in need. And then it's to share our faith with people. That twofold mission, every single one of us have that mission on our lives. Help those in need, share our faith with people. And there's so many good things and good organizations that are out there that are doing good things, humanitarian causes and all of that. And what makes us unique is that for us, everything's always for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus to ultimately find the real life and freedom and joy and newness of life in him. So everything we do, good works, is always to point people to Jesus. And what I love is this, that God didn't spell it out for us what exactly that should look like for every single one of us. Because he's given us freedom in the same way that he didn't tell Adam, hey, go ahead and name these animals this. He gave him freedom to be able to name and create that on his own. God didn't come in and in the Bible, right? Like, hey, you should go become a doctor. You should go become a whatever it is. He gave us complete freedom for us to figure out some creative ways to do that. So I love looking around our church and seeing all the different outposts that we have and how people are literally living this out. We have outposts like LOV that are helping people and meeting needs there. We have things like wrestling theology, which is outside of the box, but God is using that in a powerful way to reach people. We have the significant marriage ministry here that helps so many couples. And all these things are simply people like you and me recognizing this call that God has on their life, that he's made them new. He wants to use them to make a difference, leaning into that. And it's amazing to see what comes out of that. So what does that look like for you in your life? Where has God given you freedom but maybe called you to step into good works that Paul says he already prepared for you in advance? Like even before you were born, God had already prepared this path or this calling for you to walk in. That there's a need out there that God has wired you and he's calling you to step into in this season. That maybe a hundred people might walk past the same need or the same brokenness, not feel anything, but maybe you're that one person that sees the same thing and something within you because of the, the, the heart of God in you breaks for that need and maybe he's calling you to step into that to actually do something about it and discover an amazing journey that he has for you. So what does that look like for you recognizing that God has called you to this twofold mission and you were made new in Christ to make a difference. And I want to wrap up here our time today, but just getting maybe a little bit more practical with it and talking about, well, what does that actually look like for us? We'll be sharing a lot during this series, but I want to talk about what does that actually look like mean for us, that we are made new in Christ to make a difference. What do I do with that? And for some of you, you feel stuck in life right now. You feel stuck. You wake up every day. You go to the same job, you do the same thing, and you're starting to wonder, is this really all that there is to life? Does my life have any meaning beyond the same thing that I'm doing every single day for 30, 40, 50 years? I'm going to be doing this, the same thing over and over again. You feel stuck in life, maybe feeling like there's no meaning to your life beyond what you're just stuck in. And maybe for some of you that are in that season right now, the thing that God might be calling you to do is to go. God might be calling you, if that's you, you feel stuck right now, God might be calling you to go. What I mean by that is that maybe there's something new out there that he is calling you to step into. And maybe whatever reason it is in your life, maybe it's been fear or failure, whatever it is, or just saying, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough money to do anything about it. And God is saying, through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to make a way for you to go and to actually step into this new thing that I have for you and to make a difference, to point people to me. 
Some of you are in here. God is just speaking to you directly today and he's calling you to go. Step into whatever that thing is. Take a risk. Trust that God has made you new to use you for a purpose, for good works that he already has for you. So can I just encourage and challenge you to go, to step into that thing that he's been already laying on your heart and nudging you to do, that you've been too afraid to do. Just go this morning. And for some of you, maybe in here, what God is calling you to do is to let go. He's calling you to let go of that past pain in your life that is holding you captive right now. Maybe the reason why you're so closed off to new relationships and opportunities is because of the past pain in your life that you're still carrying with you. And it's made you a prisoner and it's keeping you from experiencing this amazing journey that God has for you. And he's calling you today to begin that process of healing, to let go off of that pain and that suffering that you went through so that he might use you, he might make you new and use you to make a difference in your life. He's calling you to let go off of that. And for some of you, maybe that pain in your life is the past failure in your life. Or you say, well, Nate, I've been there. I've done that. I took a, I took a leap of faith and I tried something new and it just failed. And so because of that, I'm now afraid to ever try something new. And God is calling you to simply let go off of that past failure. Each day is a new day with him. His mercies are new every single morning. And day by day, we get to wake up. We get to experience that. You can make a choice today to stay stuck in the past and your past failure. Or you can choose to let go off of it so that God might do something new in your life today. He's calling you to let go off of that. And for some of you, what he's calling you to let go off of is the control that you have on your life. Like if you're being honest, you surrendered your life to Christ, but... Actually, when it comes to who's driving the car, you're the one driving the car. You've got both hands gripping the steering wheel. And God is just a passenger on board with you. Who's trying to get your attention. Who's trying to get you to surrender. To actually lean into what he has for you in this season. Will you choose to let go off of control? To give him complete control of your life so that he might maybe do something new in your life. To get you out of that place that you feel stuck in right now. Pursuing everything that you're pursuing right, right now. What is the thing that God is calling you to let go off of in this season? And for some of you, this word today means for you that you need to stay. You need to stay. I know we live in a day and age like never before where people are more likely to switch jobs, to move homes, to move around, to travel and all these things. And it's kind of created in us sometimes this desire that when we find ourselves in a place where maybe we feel stuck or things are uncomfortable or whatever it is, instead of leaning into what might God be doing right where we're at, it's so much easier to leave sometimes, isn't it? But for some of you, what he's calling you to do today is to simply stay to go back to that job on Monday, tomorrow, and to say, I'm going to come now to this job, recognizing that God has made me new in Christ. He wants to do something in me right where I'm at today to make a difference, to point people to him. I'm going to choose to stay in the neighborhood. I'm going to choose to keep my kids in the school, whatever it is that you are processing through. Maybe God is just saying for you that you need to stay right where you're at. Stay in that relationship where you can simply go back at it now. And maybe God is trying to use you to point somebody there to Jesus. And he's saying, man, if you will just trust me and surrender this to me, that I want to use it to do something new in your life like never before. And I think back on my own life and I was in college and wrestling with my calling. I grew up as a pastor's kid and um, that brought a lot of just challenges with that as well. Loved growing up in the faith, growing up in the church, but Growing up as a pastor's kid brought its own challenges. And one of the things that, for me, I told myself over and over again was this, that 
I could never do that. Looking at my dad, I could never be like him. I could never do what he gets to do. And for me, the fear and the dependence of ministry caused me actually to say, I'm going to do anything but ministry with my life. So I go off to college and I'm studying something completely different because I just said, whatever line of work it is, where I can make a lot of money and have job security so that I don't have to depend on God. That's what I want to do with my life. And during that time, God just began to do something within me and really began to get my attention while I was actually in a plant biology class, studying plants and looking at nature and the amazing God that created that. There's so much that happens within just your average tree that you might see. And God really began to use that in my life to get my attention. Like, hey, I'm an amazing God who's creative in this way. And if you will trust me, just you have no idea what I could do with your life. And I had to choose to surrender control of my life to God and switch my major to a Bible major, not knowing anything that I was going to do with that. And a few days after that, somebody would come up to me and say, hey, we've got this opportunity at our church down the road. And we think that you need to come interview to be an intern at our church. And that happened like that. And so I ended up interviewing with this board and they end up hiring me on to work with kids and students and I'll never forget we're sitting one evening doing our small group time with the boys and we're talking about Jesus and what he did on the cross and one of the guys in my group Robbie says you know I, I believe that but I've never asked Jesus into my heart before so will you help me do that and I got to pray with him and I got to lead him to Christ and can I tell you something changed for me forever in that moment just recognizing that this is how God could use me if I would just surrender my life to him. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe he's not calling you to go into ministry, but he wants to use you to accomplish that mission of pointing people back to Jesus because you've been made new in Christ to make a difference. So what does that look like for you? What I want to do today is just close our time by praying for you. I recognize in my own life that when I seriously began to lean into praying for God to show me what he wants to do in my life, that I'm standing here today as a result of an answered prayer. And some of you are going to get to experience that, those answered prayers in your lives that would change the course of your life forever by something that you might pray in this room right now today. So that's what I want to do for us. So would you bow your heads with me right now? Father, we just pause in this moment. and We recognize the magnitude of this moment that we've just had together. That God, today, right now, you've been speaking to somebody in this room, calling them into something new, calling them to go, calling them to let go, or God, calling them to stay and to see you work something amazing in their lives right where they are at today. And God, I look back on my life and how you answered those prayers when I asked you for direction, for clarity for my life. And God, every step of the way, you've made the next step clear to me. And I just want to pray that right now for each person in this room who is asking what do you have for me, God? Would you step into their story today, God? Would you make that next step clear for them? Would you give them the courage and the boldness to be able to trust you, to be able to take a risk with you, to be able to go out on faith today and do the thing that they've been too afraid to do? And God, as they do that, would you show yourself to be over and over again, as you've shown in my life, faithful and amazing God who we can count on and depend on every single time? Would you do that for them? God, we love you and we're excited to lean into this series over the next couple weeks to see what it means for every single one of us. God, and we thank you for this church, all the different ways that you're using this church to have an impact in our community and around the world. We just thank you and we praise you for that. And God, we say receive all the glory and all the honor and all the power that is due your name in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.